as you no doubt know, in the Bible, a name is representative of character. And here when the Bible prophecy predicts the advent of the Messiah, and it gives names by which the Messiah is to be known, these names are not the names necessarily which Jesus would be called, but the character which He would have. And it begins here with saying, His name shall be called Wonderful and Counselor. Now, Wonderful is a very broad title, right? A very broad characteristic. But I think it's safe to say that Wonderful is sort of like the word awesome. In fact, it's very similar to the word awful. Now, you may stop with me there just a moment. Um, Today, when we think of the word awful, we think of something terrible, don't we? But in the original English, or the older English, when they said awful, it meant full of awe. The same way we today use the word awesome, they would use the word awful. And wonderful means full of wonder. It means similar to being full of awe. It means to be amazed. Have you ever seen something that just sort of took your breath away? Maybe a sunset, maybe something very beautiful. Maybe you heard something said in such a cogent and concise way that it was just like, wow. Jesus, when we look at Jesus, we are filled with wonder. We are amazed, we're filled with wonder, we're, we're, we're just blown away by the one who was the creator becoming flesh and dwelling among us. Wonderful counselor. We're going to spend time on the counselor part today. We've been looking at Jesus the last several times together. We've been talking about Jesus as our Prince of Peace right from this verse. We've been talking about him as being our older brother last week. We've looked at a number of characteristics of Jesus, but today we're going to be looking at Jesus as our counselor, our wonderful counselor. You know, when I was a kid, we used to, we used to, we used to prank our friends, you know, these little silly things we do. We'd say things like, you know, statistically, one out of three people have mental health problems. Now think of your two closest friends. Are they normal? Now, you understand how that was just sort of a joke, but it's not really a joke, is it? Today we're living in a world where there's a lot of broken people. We're living in a world where there's a lot of hurting people. A lot of people who are indeed struggling with their their hearts and their minds. And um, today we're living in a world where in the United States alone we spend $113 billion annually on mental health issues. We, we not only have that money, but approximately one out of five adults experience mental health issues every year. One out of five. Now, that's every year. In a, over a lifetime, it is closer to the one out of three or something like that that our childish jokes might have been referencing. Um, it, in fact, when we co- survey college students, approximately one out of three college students report feeling depressed. Depression is an epidemic in America today, in an America where we have more than any generation has ever had, in America where we're more connected theoretically to friends and family, uh, virtually as well as really, epi- uh, depression is indeed an epidemic. When you combine the health care costs and the loss of produ- productivity from just depression, 
The annual cost of depression is estimated to be about $80 billion. That's a lot of money. A lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of hurting people. And I want to be very clear with you here today. I'm not here to suggest that all mental health problems are directly or only spiritual problems. Are we clear on that? I'm not, I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher, okay, and I believe in the Word of God, the power of the Word of God to change lives and to change hearts, but I'm not going to suggest today that all depression is because people don't have a walk with God or, or mental health issues because they don't have faith. Listen, if you believe that, you've never been depressed. That's all I have to say. I remember when I was in seminary and there was a, there was a lecture given one time about mental health and about depression, and in fact, you know, pastors suffer a lot from mental health problems and even depression. And so this was given to the seminary students, and, and afterwards one young, I'm sure well-meaning and, and well-intentioned young uh, seminary student stood up and said, why are we talking about mental health? We're pastors. We should be able to pray, and sin is the problem. Now, I realize that there's a definite relationship between spiritual, spirituality and mental health, but it's, it's naive of us to think that all mental health problems or depression can be solved by simply praying and having more faith. In fact, that makes someone more depressed if you tell them that. I know. I've not only counseled a lot of people, I myself have experience depression, and there are reasons people are depressed besides spiritual reasons. There are physiological reasons, dietary reasons, lifestyle reasons, hereditary reasons, all kinds of reasons. So let's not be, I want to say that at the very beginning, okay? I'm not trying to say here that if, if you're struggling with your mental health that it's always a spiritual problem, but, but I do believe that God wants us to be healthy spiritually, physically, and mentally, socially, emotionally, and in every other way. And I do believe that we are a complete being. You cannot treat just one part of our being with ultimate success. In fact, God made us the way He made us. He made us physically and, and spiritually and socially and emotionally and mentally. All He made us this way, and He expects, He wants us to be healthy in every way. And I have the philosophy. You probably remember my very first, no, my second series that I preached in this church a number of years ago uh, was on emotional health. I believe that you can only grow so far in any one area of your life if you are not growing in all the areas of your life. So you can only grow so far spiritually if you're not also growing emotionally in your relationships and the way you think and the way you deal with people. So I believe we're created in a, in a holistic manner. We're healed in a holistic manner. And I believe that God wants us to experience wholeness and wellness as His people. In fact, the Bible continues. It, it says in 3 John, and uh, there's only one chapter, so it's verse 2. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in how many things? In all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a what, does it say? of a sound mind. So I believe we can say with confidence that God wants to heal our minds as well as our bodies and souls. Can you say amen? amen? 
I believe that God wants us to have healthy minds. Minds that are, that are clear. Minds that are able to be in communion with Him. Minds that are prepared by His Spirit to be a blessing to other people. A channel through which His Spirit can work. I believe that in the Bible, Jesus is called the Counselor because, in fact, He can help us with our needs. He can help us with our needs. Not that that doesn't mean that He doesn't use people. Not that that doesn't mean we don't sometimes need to seek help. But I believe that God is a God who is interested in everything that concerns us and everything that troubles us. And there are principles of God's Word that would help us in our quest to be whole mentally, physically, and spiritually. You see, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, the Bible here refers to Jesus in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 when He says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon His shoulder, and His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince, of peace. Now, we're going to have a little Bible study here, so I hope you have your Bibles or your, your, um, your smart devices, whatever they are. Um, I will trust that as you have them out that you're looking at the text and not texting. There's a difference, right? And so, uh, we're, going to be, we're going to be looking at some Bible verses here together. We're going to be studying why is Jesus uniquely qualified to be our counselor. Now, we're, there's one that we, ha- we're, we don't have on the list here, but we, we want to keep it in mind since it was our whole message last week. Jesus became flesh. Jesus became one of us, experienced what we experience. And the Bible says He's therefore qualified to be our high priest, right? He understands what we're going through. So keep that in mind as we look at this short Bible study on why Jesus is called Wonderful Counselor. Let's start with the first reason. The first reason that Jesus is uniquely qualified to be our counselor, to help us with our emotional and mental health problems, is that He is always there. Can you say that about any other counselor? Can you always have access on any, in any given minute to anyone who is helping you with your struggles, with your difficulties, with your issues? You can't. Jesus is always there. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Now, we remember that Jesus said one of His last um, statements to His disciples as He was being translated, caught up in the clouds, Jesus said, I will... I, will, I am with you always, even until the end of the age or the end of the world, right? You remember that? Here Paul is quoting not just Jesus, who no doubt said this same thing in person. He's quoting what is said in the Old Testament. We'll look there in a minute. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, it says, um, let's see. Let's see if I, okay, verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. For be content with what, uh, such things as you have. The last part of the verse is what we're focusing on. For he himself, who's that? He himself. That's Jesus. He himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I love that. And uh, we're going to look back in Deuteronomy in just a minute. But before we go that, let's, there, let's look at the next verse, ver- verse 6. So we may boldly say, how can we say it? We may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? 
Is that good news? Why? Because Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Notice with me the the Old Testament passage that Paul is quoting here and that Jesus, no doubt, was fulfilling when he made this statement. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31. This is the promises given to Joshua, who is given the responsibility of leading the children of Israel, an awesome responsibility and privilege. And Jeremiah, I mean, Deuteronomy chapter 31 Beginning in verse 6, this is what it says, Be strong and of what? What does it say? Good courage, do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, there are a few things that can help our mindset more than knowing that God is with us. He says, be strong and of a good courage. That's called a good mental outlook, right? When you have good courage. It doesn't mean everything's going well in your life. No, not at all. It doesn't mean, in fact, I don't think that it's possible to be of good courage when everything's just going well. Right? I mean, if everything's just smooth sailing, you don't need courage. Implicit in this text is the assumption that there are going to be challenges. But be of good courage. Your mental outlook is solidified because you know that God is with you. He said, be of good courage. Don't be afraid. By the way, fear, another great nemesis to mental health. Be of good courage. Don't be afraid, for the Lord is with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, pay attention. When God repeats himself, it usually means it's important, right? When he says it again, it means if you didn't get it the, fir- the first time, I want to make sure you get it the second time, right? And so we continue on the passage here in Deuteronomy 31, verse 7. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of a good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to your, their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you, He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. The first reason I would would present to you today for why Jesus is is, uh, qualified to be our counselor is that we can go to him at any time and know that he always listens. He always hears. Is there something burdening your heart? You can go to him. Are you happy about something? You can go to him. He's the God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the one who, who, um, who he promises, I will not leave you alone. I am here with you. I will go with you. Be strong. Be of good courage. Do not be afraid because I'm with you. So anytime, day or night, whether we are sleeping or are waking, whether we're, whether we're driving, whether we're walking, whether we feel overwhelmed or we feel confident, we can always talk to Jesus. We can always talk to God. He is there. The second reason I wanted to propose to you today that Jesus is uniquely qualified to be our counselor is because He, God, is bigger than all of our problems. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians now. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to look there at this amazing promise from God's Word. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 
Um, it's, a, it's an amazing passage here where uh, Paul, is, Paul is, is sort of tripping over himself to try to use enough, uh, enough strong language and superlatives in order to express what he knows is true about God. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8, Paul says this, um, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Do you see all those alls? Um, Paul, is, Paul is trying to cover all the bases, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Now, I want you to know that it's not because, it's not because those believers in Corinth didn't have problems. In fact, the, church, the letter to the Corinthians, this is 2 Corinthians in our Bibles. It's actually 3 Corinthians for, I, I think, you, uh, you might remember that Paul, in his first letter, what we call 1 Corinthians, he refers to a letter that he already wrote. So we don't have that in our Bibles for whatever reasons. The Lord saw we didn't need that. But this is a, at least the third letter that Paul has written to the Corinthians. And the reason that he is writing them is not because everything is necessarily going smoothly in Corinth. There's actually problems. There was church discipline issues he needed to write them about. There was, there was enmity, sort of competition between them. And there was, there, was, there was sort of celebrity worship. You know, Paul and Apollos and, and Peter. And who are you following? Well, I'm on this side. I'm in this camp. And, and, and Paul was trying to deal with all of these types of problems as he writes to the Corinthians. So one thing we know for sure, it's not that the Corinthian believers, new converts, many of them out of paganism... It's not that they were perfect. That's not why Paul wrote them. They had problems, just like you and I have problems today. We had, they had needs. They had spiritual struggles. But Paul says to them, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to assure you, God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, Corinthian believers, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have abundance for every good work. I like the way the Amplified Bible treats this passage. It says, and God is able to make all grace, and you see there the amplification, every favor and earthly blessing come in abundance to you so that you may always, and there's the parentheses, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything, being completely self-sufficient in Him, and have an abundance for every good work and act of charity. Isn't that an amazing promise? All. All. <laughs> Including this coming week. God's grace is sufficient. I remember one time, many times, actually this probably happened, but I remember one particular instance when I was discouraged. And, you know, this was quite a few years ago, and I was, I was um, probably in my early 20s, the instant that it just sticks in my mind. And one night, I was just discouraged, and I went out. I lived in Arkansas, and one thing about Arkansas, it's a little drier than it is here. It's not as humid. Western Arkansas, where I grew up. And um, at night, much of the time, the stars, when you go outside, it's like milk. You know, you've seen sky like that. If you've ever been in the desert, it's even more so, more consistently so. This is, this, this is where I grew up. It was, you don't see it as much here. I don't know if it's just because of the town I'm living in or because it's more humid or what, but I remember I was, just, I was discouraged and I went out and I was just praying and I went out for a walk and I went out to the back pasture and, and um, as, I, as I crested a hill, 
there in the pasture where I had about a 360 degree view of that night sky. I remember looking up and all of a sudden the, the magnitude of the universe struck me. You could see the Milky Way like a river across the sky and just the, the billions of stars and knowing they're light years away and most of them were much larger than our sun and they probably have planets around them. And, and this, is, this, is, this is only one of billions of galaxies, this Milky Way that we're in. And, and the, this, this universe that I'm a part of is so incredibly broad and, and, and the expanse so incredibly breathtaking and I thought, I thought, you know, God, God hung those stars in space by the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. And as I saw there, as I looked into the heavens, I realized my problems are really small compared to God's power. Sometimes we just become so narcissistic, we become egocentric, we think the, that our problems are the problems the whole world is revolving around, and, and we think that they're so big because they're so big to us, and we totally forget that in fact, in fact, our problems are not big at all in God's scale, in God's economy. Our problems are not so consequential and so intimidating to Him. I mean, He is able to do... It, uh, every favor to make all grace so that under all circumstances, regardless of our need, that we can have complete sufficiency in Him. I love the way it says it in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Another promise that blows my mind when I think of what God's Word says. It says, now to Him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus in all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You see, my friends, Jesus is uniquely qualified to be our counselor because He is bigger than all of our problems. Now, humans have their own problems. We turn to them, and they can sometimes help us. We sometimes need human counselors. I have a firm belief in the value of Christian counseling. But I want you to know, that Jesus is the one who transcends all human need. He is bigger than the problems that we face. Jesus is bigger than all of our problems. You know, the third reason that I think it's Jesus is uniquely qualified to be our counselor may seem self-evident, but I think it's pretty poignant to think about. Jesus already knows. Now, when you go and see a counselor, you sometimes are a little inhibited, if you're like me at least, to tell them. I mean, I'm a private person. So talking to them about the real things that are going on in my mind might be a challenge. It might be intimidating. When we talk to other people and we try to seek advice from others, sometimes we, we have we have a difficulty in really opening our hearts and becoming honest and, and, and just frank and forthright and forthcoming. But the amazing thing about Jesus as our counselor is that you're never going to tell him anything that he doesn't already know. <laughs> you're never going to surprise him. He's never going to be shocked or offended. He's never going to say, oh, 
you think that way, you feel that way, he already knows. You see, when you tell God exactly how you think and exactly how you feel, it's not so much that he is learning something new. That's not why we tell God. You see, God doesn't, when we pray, it's not so much that we bring God down to us as that we are lifted up to him. It's not so much that he has to know what we are thinking as much as that we have to know that he is able, and He is capable, and He cares. And so, God, when we, when we tell Him everything, we're not surprising Him at all. He already knows. He already understands. He understands the deep things of our hearts. Psalm 147. I want you to turn with me there in your Bible. Psalm 147, verses 4 and 5. Um, Psalm 147, verses 4 and 5, talking about the power of God to be, to be able to help us. And by the way, I want to start here in verse 3 because it's, it's relevant to our topic today. This is what it says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Does that sound like help um, for our mental health? Does it? Yes, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Verse 4, He counts the number of the stars. He calls them all by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. He truly knows all things. That's what we call omniscience. God knows. There's only one person, one being, I should say, as a as a, as a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, I believe there, there are three members of the Godhead, but that's a subject for a different day. Um, but God alone knows the hearts and the thoughts of men. In fact, one of, the, one of the evidences that we have that Jesus gave when He was here on earth, that He was the Messiah, was when He read the minds. You remember the story of the feast at Simon's house. Jesus said to Simon, Jesus answered him, now, Simon was thinking, was saying these things within himself. He was thinking these thoughts, and Jesus answered his thoughts. And Jesus, therefore, gave Simon reason to believe that he wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a healer. He was the Messiah. He was God. So, the Bible says that God knows our hearts. He knows our thoughts. When we invite as in David's prayer, you know, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way ever, everlasting. When we pray that prayer of invitation, it's really not so that God can all of a sudden know what we're thinking and how we're feeling. It's really just so that we are giving Him permission to be active in our hearts and in our thoughts. We'll come back to our thoughts a little later. So Jesus is uniquely qualified to be our counselor, to help us with our problems, because He's always there. He's bigger than all of our problems, and praise God, He already knows. Now, there's sometimes when we are afraid of being our true self, or revealing our true thoughts, or our real struggles, because we're afraid that if somebody knew us for how we really are, they may not still love us, right? But I put this in this order because I believe it's very important to realize that even though Jesus already knows our thoughts, He still loves us just the way we are. There is nothing that we can do that will separate us from the love of God. And, you know, 
I realize that, I, I do believe that we, there are things that we can do that can separate us from His presence. Sin separates us from His presence. Um, there's things that we'll, we can do that will prevent us from being renewed into His personal presence throughout all of eternity. But when the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that neither height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, I really believe it means just what it says. I really believe that even if by my own obstinate will I choose to be lost instead of be saved, God's heart will still possess love for me throughout all the ceaseless ages of eternity. I believe that. There's nothing you can do that will make God not love you. Oh, you can cause pain and suffering to His heart. Being lost is, you know, example one. But He'll love you still. You know, there's sometimes we, we sort of teach our children by example, or at least by inference, that we love them when they are good. And we remember that children learn about God through their parents, right? It's very important as we discipline children to let them know that we love them even when they're bad, even though it makes us very sad, as the song says, right? Jesus loves us even when we are wandering willfully, away from Him. He does. He wants, he wants us closer to Him, but He loves us still. And so the fact that Jesus knows us and He still loves us means that we can trust Him. Yeah, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. You see, if there's nothing I can do to change the heart of God towards me, then one thing I can be assured of, that I can trust Him with my whole life. I can trust Him with being honest to Him. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, Peter tells us what the logical the logical response is when we know that He already knows us and that He still loves us. It says, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Are you burdened? Stressed? Maybe it's financial woes. Maybe it's family problems. Maybe there's a history in your life that keeps coming up and nagging. Jesus is able to help us with all of those. Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. So Jesus is uniquely qualified to be our counselor because He's always there anytime we can turn to Him. He's bigger than all of our problems. He transcends our little me measly reality. He already knows our struggles and our problems and our sins and our mistakes, and yet He loves us still. But not only that, Jesus is qualified because He is able, He alone is able to give us power. Now, a human counselor can give us good ideas, but only one can change our hearts, and that's God. 
God promises in His Word to take the stony heart out and give us a heart of flesh, Ezekiel 36 and verse 26. He promises that if we will give ourselves to Him, He will give us power to live different lives. You've heard me say it before, I'm going to say it again. If your religion is worth no more than self-help, if it's worth no more than human counselors, it's a religion that's not worth having. Our God is a God of miracles. Our God is a God of creation and recreation. Our God is a God who says, I will make you a new creature. Old things will have passed away. All things will become new. When I perform a miracle of new birth in your life, you can have the past be the past and the very same power, the very same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will raise you to walk in newness of life. That's a miracle. I need that miracle. I need that miracle. I need a religion that is more than just a counseling, more than just self-help, more than just, just external conformity. I need a religion that changes me from the inside out. And only God can give that power. John chapter 1 and verse 12 is the text I'm going to use for that today. John chapter 1 and verse 12 is one of my favorite passages. We referred to it last week as well when we were talking about living by the Spirit instead of by the flesh. You remember that Romans chapter 8 tells us that they that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God, right? Led by the Spirit, walking in newness of life, not following the things of the flesh, but after the Spirit. John chapter 1 and verse 12 tells us how we have, how we become the sons of God, led by the Spirit of God. And it says, but as many as, what does it say? As many as received Him. Who's it talking about? As many as received Jesus, to them He gave the right, the King James says, the power to become the children of God to those who believe in His name. You see, God empowers and infills, infuses the believer with a power that human counseling can never give. Oh, listen, I need that changed heart. I need that changed life, and only He can give that experience. Listen, there's more to this. We could talk a lot about it. There's more to this. When we receive Him, he, we receive Him not only as our power giver, but we receive Him as our Savior from sin, right? His blood covers my sin. Uh, if, if you're struggling with the past, and by the way, many people who are struggling with depression at least could be helped by having peace in their heart. Their sins are forgiven. Again, I'm not trying to say here that all depression is, is, is a spiritual matter. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that sin causes mental problems. And if there's unresolved sin issues in your life, you cannot be healthy as God would have you be healthy. You can't. And when Jesus says, uh, Jesus says, I will accept you as my child. I already love you. I already know, I already know all your sins. I already all know all your weaknesses. I already know your pride and your self-sufficiency. I already know your lust and your, your, your tongue. And your, I already know your, your materialism. And whatever the sin that you might be struggling with is, I already know it. And I love you still. And I'll not only help you with it, I'll forgive you. It's past. I know the things you've done in the past. I know the things that you're not proud of that hang over your head like a cloud. I will have those put into the bottom of the sea. I will wash them away and you'll be white as snow. You can stand before God today just as if you had never sinned. And you can have the peace that passes all understanding to keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You can be justified by faith and have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The, the, when we receive Jesus Christ, friends, it's powerful. 
there is no more single thing, uh, there's nothing, no single thing that we can do that will give us more of a blessing to the healing of our hearts and our minds than that of accepting Jesus as our personal Savior from sin. To as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. Oh, what amazing, amazing God we serve. He wants to give us this experience. He wants to give us this power. Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 7. Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 7. Um, I'm sorry, that's the wrong, wrong passage I have here. I'm not sure how all that got in my notes. Jeremiah, um, probably another passage that I was reading, and I wrote it down wrong. Um, at any rate, we have power to, receive, to change our lives. Remember Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. What does it say? I can do how many things? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, my friends, Jesus wants to give us power to leave the things of the past and to live a new life in righteousness with Him. He alone can give us power. So, Jesus is our counselor because He's always there. He's bigger than our problems. He already knows our, our, our hearts. He loves us still. He can give us power to be different people. Only He can give us power to be different people. And He can even change our thoughts. Now, I want to be very clear here. I'm not a subscriber in just the typical, um, ordinary, um, psychological world of behavior modification therapy. I'm not a subscriber that this feels like we can, we, to the idea that we can pull ourselves up to heaven by our own bootstraps just by choosing to identify thoughts and think differently. But I will tell you one thing. I think that Jesus wants us, once we have accepted Him as our Savior from sin, I think that He would want us to understand the power of our thoughts. Now, I want to share with you some verses, because I believe only He can really give us true behavior modification therapy. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5 is our verse for this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5, and this is the, this is the, the context. It says in verse 3, "...for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh." For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down, notice it says, verse 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing, what does it say there? What's those next two words? Bringing, okay, in different translations it's different, but bringing into captivity what? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Is it possible that God could help us with behavior modification therapy so that actually we would start thinking about the things that He wants us to think about? That's evidently what God's ideal is for us. You know, sometimes we're depressed, and I realize there's many reasons, but sometimes we're depressed because we allow ourselves to get into spirals of negative thinking. Now, please don't tell me. I'm not, I'm not here advocating the gospel of positive thinking, okay? You've heard me already talk about the power of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ. I, I believe that Jesus Christ is the answer. But, but let me tell you, if, if you say you're a Christian, you shouldn't be thinking about all the problems. Because if you say you're a Christian, you know that God is bigger than your problems. Why dwell upon your problems? 
Start thinking about the good things that God can do for you. Sometimes we take God's name in vain by saying we are Christians, we serve an almighty, all-powerful God, and then acting as if, living as if, thinking as if our problems are bigger than the God we serve. We ought to actually believe what we say we believe. And if God is bigger than our problems, if God loves us in spite of our faults, if He has power that He can give us, if He already knows our difficulties and our struggles and our weaknesses, and He loves us still, then we ought to be thinking of all the good things that God is going to do for us. We ought to be praising His name for all the things that He has done for us. We ought to be dwelling upon Him and not ourselves. We ought to be thinking about His power and not our problems. What do you think about in a given day? Do you think that what we think about might have some relationship to our mental health? What do you think about in a given day? Now, I realize there's, it's a complex world out there. We've inherited all kinds of physiological, chemical issues. But I, wanted, I want you to know, I believe that the, one of the greatest factors in the rise in mental health problems that we see across our nation stems from the, what people spend their time doing. You can't expect these students, we decry them being violent in their schools and bringing in guns and shooting and all the rest. You can't expect students to have good mental health when they spend dozens of hours a week on violent video games. What you, allow, what you allow into your five senses, those things that come into the five senses of the soul are like the food of the soul, and it determines what your soul will be, what your mental, your mind will be. So I ask the question again, what do you spend time thinking about? Maybe the first time I asked it, you were thinking, well, I don't have much time to think. <laughs> you know, I'm busy. I'm, I'm going, to, going to work. Well, I, I spend time while I'm driving thinking. You know, what do I think about? Hmm. Let me tell you. I'm not talking about the times when you sit down and start philosophizing, theorizing, get all eloquent and, and think, thinking, you know. Um, you don't have to be Plato or Socrates or something like that to be thinking. You're, when I ask, what are you thinking about? You could just as well answer the question, what are you spending your time doing? Okay? Um, what we see on television, I'm going to be, I'm hoping that I don't step on too many toes here. If you do, if I do, I hope it's a foot massage, you know. But um, <laughs> when you park yourself in front of a television, honest to God, you are allowing other people and maybe even the enemy of souls to determine the food that your mind is ingesting. You understand that after 90 seconds in front of a television, the frontal lobe's activity drops off precipitously. And you no longer are thinking about what you're seeing. It's just going in. That's the reality. That's the reality. 
That's just science. And I'm not here to bash on television. I'm just saying, what are we thinking about? The Bible says we should bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And I believe that in order to do that, you and I ought to take, take a, a, an inventory and say, what do I spend my time doing? What do I spend my time thinking about? What am I reading? What am I listening to? What am I watching? When I have time to think about things that might be better, am I simply plugging earbuds in my ear and drowning out any cerebral activity by the music that I'm listening to, which by itself is, again, bypassing the frontal lobe and just inputting, ingesting uh, material into my mind? What is my life like? What is my, what are my thinking, my thoughts like? Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5, the English Standard Version reads this way, we would destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every th- thought captive to obey Christ. Psalm 19 and verse 14, David prayed, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Uh, I believe that the Bible gives us a formula for what to think about. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, it says this, be anxious for nothing, but in Do you think that's talking about maybe some mental health issues as well? I mean, anxiety, that's certainly something that we struggle with. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. In how much? Everything. Everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your, what does it say? and your minds through Christ Jesus. Now, if, let's, not, let's not look at this out of context, right? It continues on. Chapter 4 and verse 7 says, yeah, the, the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. But the next verse says this. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are what? True, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is, any, if in, there is anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. That's the diet that God says is healthiest for our minds. That's it. And you know what? God wants to keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He really does. But He will not force us against our will. We have to cooperate. So I ask myself the question, boy, it's been a little painful this week. I've been doing some inventory. What do I spend my time thinking about? Sometimes, I'll be honest with you, it's easy for me to get on an iPhone or iPad or computer screen and, and just these infinity feeds, you know, Facebook or one of those, just, just browse and browse and browse. How much am I spending time thinking about the things God would have me thinking about? How much of my, time, of my time is spent in His Word? How much of my time is spent thinking about Him? So I ask you to just ask yourself that question. God wants us to grow spiritually, mentally, emotionally, right? And I think this is one way that He would help us, give us power and change our habits. We need... Listen, Israel today is not that different. 
from Israel of old. We need help, God's help, to deliver us from those things that would supplant the true worship of God in our hearts. So do an inventory. What do you read? What do you watch? What do you listen to on television or on the internet? What about movies? What do you think about others? When you find yourself thinking about people, do you think about their strengths and their, their virtues or their vices? Do you think about their weaknesses? How much do you, time do you spend in God's Word? I want to share with you just a practical tip. Over in the next slide, I want to share with you just a few ways that you might find helpful to be able to change your habits of thinking. You say, well, how can I? I'm busy. How can I spend time differently? I want to give you, and this is just one thing, an app, okay? Um, I'm going to show you four apps that could change the way you think and use your time. The first one may be familiar to many of you. It's called Audioverse. Have you ever heard of Audioverse? Audioverse is an app that simply has sermons that you can listen to. You might say, well, I don't, I don't need it. I mean, I'm, I'm tired when I finish Pastor Clark's sermon on Saturday. I don't need another sermon. But maybe, maybe my sermon doesn't address what you're going through in your life this week, the challenges you're suffering with. There are thousands upon thousands of Bible-based, in-time, message-focused sermons on audioverse.org. You can go online, you can download the app, and you can find a sermon by, on just about any subject, um, uh, literally. Um, I don't know how many we have on that website now, but something like ten to 15,000 sermons are there, and there are more every day. There's more and more sermons being downloaded on Audioverse. You can take that wherever you go. You can listen to it on the, on the road. You can listen to it when you're driving. Um, I'm not against NPR or whatever Christian radio station you might listen to while you're driving, but there's something better, and uh, that's God's Word. And God's Word is good food for your mind. It, it is. It really is. There's a lot of the things that we hear on the radio that aren't, aren't necessarily good. This is a new app by Fountain View Academy up in British Columbia. And if you've ever wanted to learn more Scripture or learn Scripture songs, you just download this app, and it's called Scripture Singer. And you will learn Scripture set to music. Wonderful choir, um, wonderful accompaniment, beautiful music that you can learn from Scripture Singer. Um, fill your mind with God's Word. Let me tell you, friends, God's Word has power. It does. I don't care if it comes in song. I mean, you know, much of the Bible was written as a song. Um, much of it is written in verse. Here's another app, and this is the E.G. White Writings app. Um, this will allow you to download books like Steps of Christ or Desire of Ages on the Life of Christ. And you can actually, there are two apps, I believe, now. I'm not sure if they've merged them yet. But um, one of these apps will allow it actually to play an audio book to you. So if you want to listen to Steps to Christ, um, to understand the basics of salvation, if you want to dwell more on the life of Christ, just download an app. I mean, these things aren't hard to do. And, and most of them, I think all of them are free apps that you just download and um, you can become part of it. Even some of the ones that don't have an audio book digitized on there, it'll still, a computer will still read it to you in a, in a, in a digitized voice. The last one I want to share with you is called Scripture Typer. And um, Scripture Typer is an app that allows you to memorize Scripture so that if you just have a minute between important appointments, instead of reading the news that hasn't changed in the last four hours, listen, if the world's going to end, you're probably going to know about it. Someone else can tell you. But I find myself checking the news. I mean, and it's just like, uh, if you just have three minutes, this, this app is designed to help you memorize. 
And so the way, it, the way it works, it like coaches you through the memorization of a text. You choose what promises you want to memorize, and you can, you can do so. What would happen if we radically revolutionized the time, the way that we spent our time as an individual, as a church? Do you think God could bless us? Do you think that we might, we might find ourselves healthier and happier and holier? You think we might be able to have a revival and a reformation, the Holy Spirit moving in our midst? I believe He wants to. I believe He wants to do that in my life. These are just four apps. There's maybe many others that I could share. But these are four very simple but very powerful ways that you can change the way you spend your time on a daily basis. Oh, I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm so thankful that, that He invites us to, um, to have that food for our minds. Now, I want to go, go on to the next verse. Um, the peace that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds, verse 7. Think on these things, it says in verse 8. And verse 9 says, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. There's nothing, there's nothing more powerful, I don't think, than knowing um, that God is with us. He is the mighty, the wonderful counselor the one who wants to give us all things. Some of you might have missed one of these. Audioverse.org, Scripture Singer on the, in the App Store, E.G. White Writings, again, in the App Store, and Scripture Typer. Those are apps that you can use. Are you thankful for Jesus today? Are you thankful that He's the wonderful counselor? Are you thankful that He can give us power to live, live lives that are healthy, happy, and holy? Let's pray. Father in heaven today, I thank you for what, such a wonderful Savior. I thank you that He is called, that He has the characteristics of the wonderful Counselor. Today, Father, I just want to pray. I want to pray that you would help us. Help us to be bold like Josiah. To be able to say, Lord, sometimes there's radical changes I need to make in my life. I pray that you'd help us eh, to experience the personal way that Jesus wants to make us whole, mentally, physically, spiritually as well. Lord, we look forward to that day when we can be reunited with Him, with You, for all of eternity. Make us citizens of that kingdom now. Help us to think on these things and to have that peace that passes all understanding to keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. For we ask it in His name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.